Hi, I'm Adrian Tan, and this is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR tech market map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping that sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. Hi, Rolf. Thank you for coming on to the show. Good morning and happy to be here. <laughs> to start off, could you help us to understand a bit more about your background and the chain of events that led you to what you're doing today? I grew up in the Netherlands. I went to university there. I started working first in IT, then in banking. And at a certain point in my career, I started to travel and support foreign branches, overseas branches of the bank that I was working for. And at one point in time, I was asked to to actually move overseas and live and work in Vietnam. After that, I spent time in South America in two different countries, went back to the Netherlands and ended up in Singapore, uh, where I am now since 2005, working for banks and always in a combination of, of banking and IT. And lastly, I was responsible for KYC, for for one of the big global banks here in the region. And since basically 2014, I run my own businesses. And how did that pivot come about from in the banking space, in KYC, and moving into what you essentially is doing right now, which is more in the HRMS space? And how does the past experience in banking help put a different lens to what in the HRMS space? Yeah. It's a good question. I think KYC uh, compliance is, uh, is something that I roll into, but it is something that on a global level you see in, in lots of industries. Uh, compliance is more and more important in many aspects of our life. So what I do for or what I did for banks is not so different what you do, what I'm doing for in the HRMS space. Our clients demand that we look after personal data protection, uh, that what we do in the systems is compliant with local laws and regulations. Uh, so in that aspect, the requirements are not that different. Uh, and also in the HR space, we have lots and lots of requirements, lots and lots of regulations to comply with, whether it is on personal data protection or if it's about salary calculations or is it about taxes that need to be paid. So in that aspect, it's not that different. So you mentioned some of the things which are uh, the similarities between what you are seeing in the HRMS space versus what you have done before. But I'm sure there are going to be some differences. What are some of the key differences, especially the things that might have caught you by surprise when you first made the jump into HRMS? Not really surprising, but there are a few things that, uh, that, that catch my attention also because I come from Europe. And one of the things that you see specifically here in, in the region and maybe not so much in Singapore, but in other countries in Southeast Asia, is that the level of automation, even in bigger companies, is not so high. There's a lot of manual work still be done. That's one thing. The second thing is that there's still a lot in terms of sophistication, if you want, that can be achieved. HR, human resources management, is a global profession. If you, Even if you just open a newspaper, you see all sorts of topics now that are, are, are happening on a global scale. The most poignant being 
working from home everywhere around the world, whether you're in India, South America, North America, in Europe, here in Asia or in Africa, everybody is working from home. And so HR in, in that aspect is also a, a global profession. But the level of support, the level of sophistication in how that, 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 that profession is being executed in companies differs a lot from country to country. And ultimately, it's a profession that, that is about making sure that people are happier in their workplace, that they perform better, that they get paid the right amount of money, that they do the job that they are best at. So all these things can be supported better with, with the sort of stuff that we do with IT, but also with just properly managing your human resources. In your opinion, what might have contributed to this lack of sophistication? Because we are ultimately already in 2021, things would surely have improved a, a fair bit. But it seems like what you're saying here is there's still a lot of room for improvement. What might have contributed to that? There are, of course, uh, there's never an end to this journey to, to use an often used word. And there's always ways to improve. And so it also depends on how high you put the bar. But there is a lot that is still possible. Eh? You see specifically here in Singapore, specifically in Asia, there's a lot of, there's many, specifically in the SME space, many family-owned enterprises with a history, but it's not hundreds years of history. It's maybe 50 years of history, maybe 30 years of history. And that they're pretty early in the digitalization journey, so to speak. And so the, it's and it's not good or bad. No, I think at the same time, so if you're a startup, if you're a small company, you have to adjust your level of automation, your level of sophistication to what is necessary. If you're a company with 20 people, everybody yourself as a founder, as a boss, as an owner, then maybe you don't need so many proper formalized HR procedures and technology. And so it is. It is something that. For every company, every country, every industry needs to find out for him or herself and then implement what, what, what makes sense. Now, but specifically talking about, for instance, a payroll calculation, uh, doing that manually is really no longer uh, state of the art. And I understand in our previous conversation before this recording, we also mentioned about efficiency, something that you uh, focus a lot on. Which, and, and you mentioned that it's something that is often overlooked in the haste to digitalize. Well, why is that the case? And what are some of the specific examples that you have seen? Efficiency is, I think, is and should be, could be a proper driver for digitalization. At the same time, sometimes digitalization projects, investments in IT start without properly thinking about efficiency or with hoping that efficiency will automatically happen. That's not the case. Efficiency is something that you need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, of course, a car will bring you from A to B faster than a bicycle. Yeah, but you, still, you, you have to operate the car. You have to know how to handle the car. You have to know which roads to take. And if you get lost in a car, then you will still take a long time to get from A to B. One of the examples I believe I mentioned was, was in the F&B industry, digital technology being, being used. And some outlets, some operators use it. There are others that don't really get it. I used one example of sitting at a restaurant where the owner had deployed pads for, for patrons to, to order. But the iPad was handed out by, by essentially the staff member who stood next to the table waiting 
for the guests to order. Now, that's of course not efficient. Uh, you need to think about, okay, what is this technology doing for me and where can I save? Uh, that, that it is like that. Efficiency is nothing more than doing more with less. And less sometimes means less human resources. And that it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to, to, to be a bad thing. Uh, we do, and the profession of HR is making better use of resources, but also about educating people, making sure that people can handle more complex tasks. Uh, and IT can be used to create efficiencies, to do more with less. Um, but you can also call that uh, creating space. And that also means that uh, you can handle more guests, that you can handle more customers with one person. You know, it's not necessarily about making people redundant. It's being able as a business to do more with the existing resources. So in the case of this restaurant, it's quite obvious that even though they managed to digitalize, but the, this whole project obviously isn't a successful one because it just doesn't make sense to hand the iPad to a customer and then just sit, stand there waiting for, for things to happen. It just adds on to, it, it basically more inefficiency to an already inefficient process. And this is something that reminded me of a survey conducted by Microsoft and ASME last year, where they surveyed quite a handful, I would say more than a handful of uh, SMEs, I think a thousand of them. And 83% of them actually mentioned that they are aware of the need to digitalize, they have strategies in place, but 60% of all these digitalization projects actually fail. It's quite interesting to note that in Singapore, especially with the kind of government support that we have, with the huge government subsidy to encourage companies to adopt digitalization, you still achieve a 60%. Why do you think that's the case? There's probably a lot of different reasons, but what I see from our experience, coming also back to, to the example that I just mentioned, of course, it's nice if you get iPads for almost for free. Uh, but you need to have a proper business case. You need to have a proper strategy as a business. And, and IT, digitalization, HR systems can help. But again, these are tools and you need to deploy them properly. A tool is but a tool. Uh, if you don't know how to handle a hammer, then it's going to be pretty useless. And if you only have a hammer, then every problem will look like a nail. Uh, maybe there's other tools that you need to deploy. Uh, to, to talk about one example, one of our customers clearly has a good business case. And one of our customers here, they came to us and actually it's a long-time customer. We already work with them in, in different markets. But they have currently, they have an issue with overtime. And the issue being people are working from home, not always in the office, not always on location. And they see overtime going up. They see overtime costs going up. But they have very little overview over is that really happening? Is that really necessary? And overtime costs money. That means a burden on the people sometimes. But sometimes people also don't mind overtime because it means extra pay. And this is a company with, with teams in all the countries in Southeast Asia. We're talking hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. There's no way that you can manage that in, in, in a, without proper digitalization, without a proper system. And you also want to manage it on time. It's no use to have an overview. We live in June now. If I would have on my desk an overview of the overtime in April, then I'm too late and I cannot handle that. And so there is a clear need for digitalization and for a clear need for, they have a clear business case to deploy technology 
to on a day-to-day basis, even maybe before the fact and before overtime is being applied, before overtime is being done, before overtime is being approved, to understand, okay, is this really work that needs to be done? Yes or no, then we approve it, and then we know that we will face costs and that we will know that we will have to uh, compensate the staff for, for working overtime. And, but you have to start with a proper digitalization business case, otherwise there's likely failure. Uh, and failure can be either the software or the IT is not used at all, or you're not meeting your predefined goals and objectives. And I think that is, that is often what is happening. The subsidy grants are, are great. There's a lot of government support. If you get technology for free, that doesn't mean that, that it's going to help your business. Uh, it looks interesting. But you still need to talk about how do I manage my business? How can I make my business run better? And how can I apply these tools? If you have a business case, great. Uh, and if you don't get a bit of support from the government in implementation and maybe a bit of subsidy, wonderful. Uh, but you have to have that business case as a starting point. So identifying the business case would be one of the key things and the first thing that companies would want to look at. And once it trickled down to a digitalization project that involves HR, a, a, a specific project within the HR department, what would be the kind of challenge that HR currently facing when it comes to digitalization, given that you have seen so many different projects out there? Of course, there are different, many different types of projects. What I mentioned just now was speaking about overtime. There's companies that just want to get their payroll automated. There's companies that want their payroll interface with the bank so that they don't have to write checks separately. There's companies that want more sophisticated HR. They want to onboarding, perhaps their learning management, their succession management. There's very many different aspects in HR that that the company might, might want to work on. And efficiency, we talked a bit about efficiency. Efficiency is about money, is about how many resources do I need for certain tasks? But it can also just be better allocating resources, making sure that people are happier, better educated, uh, better fit for the roles that you give to them, all that sort of things. And so it comes first and foremost, uh, one of the biggest challenges is defining properly with the customer, what exactly do you want to achieve? And that is very important. Uh, if you have a proper goal, then you can set yourself up, so up for success and make sure that the software that you buy, that you implement, is actually going to help you achieve that goal. And the second thing then is making sure that you communicate that clearly throughout the organization and through everybody that is involved in that project. And clearly, uh, the message of doing more with less is not appealing to everybody. Uh, one of the customers that we work with, uh, a small smallish, not really small, but we have customers with, with thousands of staff. This was a company local here in Singapore, maybe 100, 120 people driving school buses. I saw a lot of drivers and a small back office, a small planning department. The bus drivers, all good, mostly guys, very few ladies, but mostly guys. A lot of high education in the whole process that they used to register, okay, the number of rides, the number of kids, the, the routes of the buses was mostly done manually. Also, extra starting time, end time, all manual. So we started talking with, uh, with, uh, with the boss, with the owner, about implementing a proper HR and payroll management system. 
which can be done. You can automate all that. You can do mobile clock in, clock out. You can register overtime. You can set up your pay structure based on number of rides. All possible. Where this project went wrong was that there was the back office were were four ladies who processed all the paperwork from the drivers. Uh, and they sat in a, in a smallish room with all walls covered in binders with paperwork. A lot of work, but the four ladies had a, had a lot of fun together as well. They appreciated their work. They had daily contact with all the drivers. They got a lot of satisfaction out, out of what they were doing on a day-to-day basis. Maybe not so efficient, but it worked. And they were happy doing what they were doing. And the boss clearly had the idea to reduce the error rate, make sure that everything ran smoothly, that if you wanted overviews, that it could get reports on time instead of two months after the fact. So there was a clear driver from the owner to, to improve on that. But what where it went wrong was that the, the people involved specifically at the HR department, these four ladies processing all that paperwork, they were not told what was going to happen with their department. They're clearly, if you implement a system, then maybe you don't need four people there anymore. And maybe you need only three or two or maybe only one. Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to fire these people, eh? but you need to talk with them and say, okay, what are we going to do with your job? What are we going to do with the department? What are we going to do in making sure that as a company we evolve? Uh, so in the end, we we essentially failed to implement the system because we got zero cooperation from, from the department because management had not defined what is going to be the situation after the system has been implemented. Uh, so the, you need to define as a company very clear, what's my business case, what are the drivers, communicate that clearly to all people involved. And in this case, I can imagine uh, those four ladies will be seeing this whole digitalization project as a threat to their livelihood. And it reminds me of a situation I had with a company there in the logistic industry. And they were the, the boss was very interested to move things onto the cloud and try to get as many software as a service as, as possible. But they do have an IT manager that is currently managing a server internally. And the first question he threw to me was, then what will happen to my IT manager? I don't really have an answer. I'm not in this business. So I get I told him you just have to figure it out if there's a role for him internally or elsewhere. Eventually they stuck with their internal software because way to just accommodate to this person. No, no wrong. It really depends on how you see things, but I guess you're right. In certain situations, it has to you have to take a certain stance on what needs to be done. And of course, like you mentioned earlier on, trying to communicate and communicate to let people know exactly mm. what's going on and to prepare them for what is to come. And on what is to come, of course, we are currently going through this COVID-19 situation where things have changed drastically. As what a Professor Scott Galloway famously said, many things doesn't happen in a decade and a decade will happen in two weeks. And we definitely have a lot of that two weeks over this past uh, year of COVID-19. Has there been any surprising change for you when it comes to the adoption of HRMS, digitalizations over this past year of lockdown? Not a big surprise for, for our business, specifically because we're in all countries in ASEAN. Some countries do well, some countries don't do so well. A business has not been been terribly bad, has not been terribly good. What we do see with our customers is that uh, a lot of customers think and reflect. Okay, what what does this COVID-19 situation mean for my business? And that 
makes that, that projects, that deals, not necessarily have been put on hold, but, but companies and, and owners, managers take their time to think about, okay, how am I going to respond to this? Now, of course, in the beginning, when this started in, in March, April last year, everybody was mostly uh, like, like a rabbit in the headlights, paralyzed and, and scrambling and thinking about what is happening to us. And, but pretty quickly, you saw that, that companies started to think about Okay, how can I adapt? And for us, not a surprise, but what has a big impact is working from home and, and how that is going to be, how that is going to be going forward. Uh, I don't think working from home will disappear and it will probably for most companies be some sort of blended form where people come to the office sometimes and where sometimes they work from home. Now, I think that's beneficial for productivity. It also means that roads are less busy and there's less, less congestion, people have more time. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that whole change will, will work out for the better. Uh, I would like to just understand from you in your own words, what is your definition for the future of work and how do you envision it to look like for your customers three to five years down the road? Future of work? I don't think, first of all, I think work will keep on evolving. And there, again, there's no end point. It's not like in three years' time it's going to be like this. And from then onwards, it will be forever like that. And as always, changes. I hope and I think, and that's what we talk about with our customers, is that work will be more focused on, on the actual contribution of people, of staff, of employees, and less based on attendance, but more on, okay, what are your goals? What are your targets? What are your objectives? And how can we, as management, as a business, help you achieve that? And how you do that and exactly where you do that is maybe of less relevance. And so your working location becomes less relevant. And what we talk about, we talk about IT, we talk about HRMS systems, but we also talk with a lot of HR professionals about how can you make sure that people are happy in their work and feel that they contribute? And, and there's always a few things important in, in your life or certainly as a, in your working life is uh, you, you need to feel that you are contributing. You need to feel, you need to be able to plan your own time. You need to be able to decide to a certain extent on how you do things. Hey, you decide together with your management uh, as a company, you decide what needs to be achieved. Yeah, but exactly how you do that is something that, that hopefully will be more coming out of a as a result of the dialogue between, between staff and management. And so more and more em empowerment for employees. I think that is what we are looking at. And there is the possibility now, certainly with working from home, and certainly if you talk about uh, applying technology to, to support all that. And specific to Kadena, what's on the roadmap? What can we expect to see from the company over the rest of this year as well as the coming next year? More happy customers. I think what we see as well is we have a very strong base in Vietnam, in Cambodia. We do more and more business here in Singapore, in Malaysia, Indonesia, the Philippines. And our customers get bigger and more sophisticated. One of the recent signups is a customer with 30,000 staff. Now we're looking at more sophisticated companies, more international companies as well, and that's something that, that, that you will see more in Singapore as well. 
Singapore is small, companies are looking overseas, and we are there to support that sort of companies, and we are able to support that sort of companies. Awesome. And lastly, for people who is interested to find out more about what you do, where should they go to? They can go to our website, uh, that's that's where all the information is. Also, the email address is happy to entertain any sort of questions, even if it's not specifically about the software, but about specific HR-related business problems. We're always happy to talk to customers and companies in general. That's great. Uh, all this will be added into the show notes. Uh, thank you so much, Rob, for your time today. Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure to, to be talking to you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.